0: Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to
1: the DMZ, everybody. This is the final pre-midterm election DMZ where, uh, I don't know if we've always done this, but there are times when we have given our predictions, and I'm pretty thankful that no one has kept a record of past predictions. (laughs) We need a super
0: fan, a super fan of the DMZ army uh to go through and and do you know an, an exhaustive
1: report on our our past predictions. <laughs> um but and I will say as a disclaimer these are for entertainment purposes only. Uh Yeah, please no betting, no no gambling <laughs> off of uh
0: off of these predictions. Um Let's jump right in, Bill. I, this has been much, much awaited, much anticipated. And I think the way we should do it is uh, I've, already, I've taken the liberty of going ahead and, and putting on a board, on a poster board, my, my picks. Uh, I, I have to say I wrestled with them greatly. Um, but why don't you go first? I'll tell you the state. You make the, the call, uh, and then I will tell you mine. And we should okay. start with the one that I wrestled with the most, Bill. This is the one that that I really am torn over.
1: Before before you oh. before we get there, I just want to point out that I don't have as classy a whiteboard setup as you. I'm using <laughs> I'm using a an, an old uh, fridge magnet uh, chore board which never really got properly used because my kids don't do their chores. Uh, and I've put this on. This is the exciting part. This is a, a birthday gift. This is a 1950s era uh voting machine demo with the with the old with the old school levers. Uh
0: you are the you are the Carl Rove of the DMZ uh with with the dry erase board. Um by the way, this is a great excuse for people to go to youtube.com slash Matt Lewis and watch actually watch the video as opposed to listening. We'll try we'll try to keep the radio listeners uh, on board as well. Um, let's start with the first one. I wrestle with it greatly, Bill. It's Pennsylvania. It's John Fetterman. Before I make
1: my final call, what does your mom say?
0: You know what? Um, I had lunch yesterday with my mom, but, but lately she has been bringing, uh, her sisters with her. Remember I showed you that picture? Yeah. Um, and so yesterday she brought three of her sisters with her, um, two of whom are, are very Trumpy. Mm-hmm. And so I intentionally did not bring up politics at all. I'm going to uh, have to do I'm going to make a phone call with mom and try to, to find out. But I will say this. I think that the exposure to to my aunts, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that pushes her back into the Republican column in Pennsylvania. So you don't have any idea her reaction to the debate? I have no idea yet. Oh, I'm gonna call man. her and find you out. You're useless, Matt. Useless. <laughs> I'll get you. Know, do you want to do like a conference call? <laughs> <I could> probably... <laughs> this would be a great. Remember, I interviewed her on my podcast after Trump won uh, because she voted for Trump. I love. Maybe this calls for another uh, mother-son podcast. Anyway, John Fetterman mm-hmm. versus Doctor Oz. Bill. This one, as you know, Fetterman was in the lead the entire race and then obviously last week he had that disastrous debate who's gonna win
1: i agree with you this is a tough call and i was very bullish on fetterman up until the debate debate definitely makes me pause uh but i'm gonna say fetterman hangs on
0: all right let's see the board i want to see it so you can't take it back all right bill you and i are in agreement whoa Wow! I have what picked. You? you can see you get a, a sneak peek on my next pick, but <laughs> but I have got uh, I have got John Fetterman okay. winning in Pennsylvania. I really struggled with that one. Um, at the end of the day, it came down to vibe. I I just I think Fetterman just fits. Pennsylvania, and I don't think Dr. Oz does. And then the question is, does the wave outweigh all that? And maybe, and, and, and if and then, of course, the well, debate performance.
1: Here, well, well, before we go, I think one of the big questions here is are we seeing a real bona fide wave or not? Yeah. And I know <laughs> if we, you've, if, you've if, it's a, if it's a big wave, I mean, and this is one criteria for a wave waves buoy bad candidates over good candidates.
0: And I would say, for my purposes, when I'm using the term wave, I'm using it loosely. I think it's a Republican year. The wind is at their back. And uh, is the wind blowing enough to blow Dr. Oz from New Jersey into Pennsylvania? (laughs) Um, Second race, Bill, you you already saw where I voted on that one, probably. Um, It's Georgia. It's uh Herschel Walker versus Raphael Warnock I mean Herschel Walker is a candidate who um has in you know admitted to fathering multiple illegitimate children he's a republican who has allegedly paid for two abortions um but again is is the wind blowing his direction what say you uh
1: i'm i'm sticking with Warnock here i i, I see you know, poll tightening, um, it's it's in the more credible polls. I don't really get a sense that Walker is, uh, getting ahead of Warnock and nothing's really happened in the race to suggest that Walker's found a groove. You know, the only argument would be, it is such a big wave year that it carries him over. Uh, but I think Warnock is a particularly good candidate. He has run a good race. He has a bipartisan message. He has strong ads. He's got a warm, cuddly vibe. Uh, Nothing. No, nothing has happened to make me suggest that he's gotten knocked off his his path.
0: Okay, and I'm going to ask uh, for the sake of, uh, of of TV production values that uh, when you reveal no, but first when you uh, reveal your pick, the first uh, thing you should do okay. is show it. Okay. All right. Um, I went the other direction. I have gone uh, with Herschel Walker and. I'm a little less torn on this one than Pennsylvania. It's got to do with vibe again. I, I just, as as crazy and weird as Herschel Walker is, he seems more normal to me than Doctor Oz. And um, and I don't think I don't think Raphael Warnock is as good as Fetterman was, uh, or is as likable as Fetterman was.
1: Well, the was is the key thing. You know, I think Oz has done a relatively good job at pivoting.
0: In the last couple of weeks. Right.
1: Well, well, that's right. It took him a long
0: time to do that. (laughs) Uh,
1: And, you know, part of my calculation in general here is because I'm not going on the presumption that this is such a big wave that bad candidates get carried uh, in the tide. Uh, but I'm being a little more partial to candidates who I think have made the Republicans who have made the adjustments and sanded down the rough edges. Uh, and, what, and so I, I, I give Oz some credit for, I think, you know, he's trying to frame the as I'm the reasonable guy and Fetterman's the extremist. Yeah. Like, now let me just me is, say, Bill, a smart
0: frame. Bill, not to get ahead of ourselves, we've only made two picks, but you have picked two Democrats. Yes. You picked Fetterman like me, but you picked Fetterman to flip a seat. Uh, and you have picked Warnock to hold that seat in Georgia, and I think we could probably extrapolate already that you it seems like uh, we'll find out, but it seems like maybe you think Dems are going to hold the senate let's on, let's
1: let's let's have a little suspense here. Shall let's we Let's have some suspense? I'll keep them in
0: <laughs> suspenders. Let's go to Arizona, okay where uh Mark Kelly is the incumbent seeking to fend off Blake Masters, the Republican who was considered kind of a bad candidate, but has been surging lately, or at least has tightened it lately. Uh, Where are you,
1: Bill? Uh, I'm going to give it to Kelly. Uh, I think Masters is a particularly bad candidate. Uh, He has lagged the other Republicans uh, in almost every poll that I've seen. Yes, he has come up. I think there's definitely base consolidation there. But uh, Kelly, I think, is also a particularly good candidate candidate. Uh and uh and I I don't I don't have I don't see evidence that Masters is getting that last extra bit of swing vote that he would need to pull off the upset.
0: And of course uh let's see if can you see
1: I see it. I what see I have it.
0: picked. What have I picked? You've picked Kelly. I have picked Kelly so we're in agreement and uh I think for the same reason. Um I, I think not only is is, uh, is master as masters a bad candidate. I think Kelly's a pretty good candidate. So um, again, you know, the, the the experts tell us that that waves um, that that waves uh, they all break the same way. And, and we're we're kind of going against the wave. We're, we're we're swimming against that that premise, right? I think we're we're saying uh, that there are cases where candidate quality matters.
1: Now, not in Georgia, in my opinion. But anyway. <laughs> well, but you're arguing that Walker has an everyman vibe. That is actually I a positive quality. I, I
0: Yeah. I, so, so in a way, in a way, I am being consistent. Um, number four is Nevada. You've got uh, Cortez Masto fending off Adam Laxalt. And who do you have?
1: This is my first Republican flip, Laxalt. <laughs> and uh, we are in agreement
0: laxall this
1: is this is actually a tough one for me uh, cuz i i don't think laxall is a particularly great candidate um i think cortez Masto is a fine candidate not like not, not as strong as kelly or warnock or pre federman um but almost everything i've seen in the polling suggests that nevada is just going the other way in general um, the, uh, Democrat governor is trailing, uh, looks like Dems will lose two congressional seats, you know, but also, I mean, this is just a big asterisk to put on Nevada. I mean, there's a lot of population churn that I think people don't, uh, uh, recognize frequently and Nevada is, is particularly, so in that case, a very transient state. So in that case, you know, so it's very hard to take the poll. Uh, and there's a history of Democrats outperforming polls in Nevada. I mean, Dems have trailed in a lot of races in Nevada and have overcome that, uh, which has always been credited to the the Reed machine uh, and the work of the Culinary Union uh, in Vegas. Uh, And so this is the first test of the Reed machine with Reed no longer uh, with us. So it wouldn't shock me to have Democrats have a repeat performance and overcome the polls. But with fairly consistent trailing, you know, even by a little bit, I mean, yeah, there, there are certain polls where Cortez Master, I think, is tied or just behind back like one point. Uh, but with the general lean that way and with it being generally a Republican year and Laxam not being an awful candidate, you know, he's not super duper insane. Um, uh, And I think look, the, the group of trail Lombardo, is also someone who's done some pivoting uh, uh, I think that's why I, get, that's why I give Lacks all the edge.
0: All right. Uh, and by the way, we should have mentioned with Walker and Warnock, it very well could go to a runoff. Um, so we may not know.
1: I'm, or, a, I'm a little well. tempted to say that Warnock wins outright. But I want to say s- Herschel wins, but you yeah. know. But again, I just want to throw. Right. That out I want right. to see a bit more polling as we close before I say something like that with any kind of. Now, with the Nevada
0: race, uh, you were picking. Not only are you picking a Republican, but that's a flip. Yes, that's a Republican taking. So, so,
1: I, so I've I've one I've one Dem flip, one Republican flip right now.
0: All right, and I have uh, one Dem flip and two Republican flips right now.
1: So you 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 have a net one. As it stands, Republicans would take over.
0: That's right. Um, next race, number five on our list is North Carolina, Bud versus Beasley. It's been a close race, but what do you say, Bill?
1: You know, I I I have hope for Beasley, but I gotta give this to Bud. As it stands, it's actually not, not been enough. Like polls have been either Bud up or tied. Nothing really with Beasley up that I'm aware of. Uh, and North Carolina has been just out of reach for Democrats for a long while. Uh, so I don't have any reason to believe like the, this is the year. This is yeah. the year that North Carolina tips blue. Like, well, these things I think it's going to happen. But I can't say with confidence it's, it's right now.
0: We are in agreement on this one. <clears throat>
1: OK, next race, number six.
0: Uh Ron Johnson versus Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin. Um,
1: What say you, Bill? You know, as much as I hate to say it, uh, I have to say uh, Johnson hold. I will say this, though. You know, there was definitely a point, you know, a month ago when the polls flipped. You know, Barnes was up in the summer. Johnson took over in September. This is the and this is the one race where there has been a clear lead change uh, in the Senate in the Senate field. Since that point, you're not seeing Johnson run away with it. He's not. It's he's not. At least in polling, it's not a blowout. Barnes is hanging in there. Uh, so, as is the cliche thing, there's definitely. I mean, a lot of these questions, a lot of these races really are, are turnout questions because they're they're close races and pollsters are making estimates whether the makeup of the turn- of the electorate's going to be. Uh, you know, Democrats have had problems in Wisconsin with turnout busts, particularly in 2014 and 2016. Uh, I'm not super confident that Barnes gets a turnout bust. He might get very robust uh, uh, city turnout. Uh, you know, Obama's in there uh, as well, you know, hyping, hyping up the, the troops. So. A Barnes upset wouldn't totally shock me, but I can't, you know, put my I put my my marker down on it.
0: Yeah, I'm with Johnson too. Uh, he once again dodges the bullet. No, not 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 to use violent <laughs> political rhetoric, um, but he escapes. Um, by the way, just so I'm keeping track here, Bill, we have only we have disagreed how many times? We disagreed on Walker oh, Georgia, just Georgia. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, next race is Ohio, J.D. Vance versus Ryan. Tim Ryan? Tim Ryan. Right? I can never remember this guy's name. Um, I think Ryan has uh, run a great campaign and and very temperamentally just fits Ohio. On the other hand,
1: it's a very Republican state.
0: What do you have?
1: It's a very Republican state. Yeah, I give it to Vance again. This is definitely uh, uh, I mean, Ryan outclasses Vance in a million ways, and he's gonna he's gonna overperform. No question, he's gonna overperform. Uh, yeah. But I don't think he can quite get over the finish line. Uh, where, where, where where are you? You're showing other states. There you are. There, I see it. There's
0: I'm having yeah. It, it, this poster thing is 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 not going well. Let me fold it. Hang on. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I really feel. I got the right thing up, yeah. Yep, yep. I really feel like uh like Ryan, if if Ryan, I said this before and I'll say it again, if if Ryan can't win in Ohio in 2022, no Democrat could win. Um you know, maybe maybe uh, uh if if Ryan was an incumbent or something, he might have, or 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 but it's just I just feel like Ohio is too far gone for Dems. Um, but you know what? This one, I think, could surprise us. So I'm on the record with Vance, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to put a little asterisk there as my dark horse race. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. Next one is New Hampshire.
1: Bull Duck versus Hassan. You know, a race where just yesterday... Uh, a credible New Hampshire pollster gave Bulldock a one point lead. I think his first lead, maybe his only lead I've seen in polling. Uh, and that's the St. Uh, Aldsum University, if I remember correctly, or college, uh, which had a very good track record in New Hampshire in 2020. Uh, but it is just one poll, and Bulldock is crazy, and Hassan has not made any mistakes in this campaign. Uh, so i have given that to Hassan and another Democratic
0: hold. Uh, yes, I'm with you. Same thing. Um, I think if Republicans had nominated someone other than Bullduck, then well, it would so be you, in the so red know, column. So would have made it a race. Then it would have been in the red column. Uh, next race, Florida, Val Demings versus Rubio. I don't think this is too controversial, but what do you have?
1: Uh yeah, as as good a candidate as Demings, I mean, I thought Demings has run a very good race, but as, as good as she coming, I mean, and she had a, I think a fantastic debate, and yet, no evidence of that that's made any impact on the polls whatsoever. Florida's just looking like less and less of a purple state, uh, and so you got to give it to Rubio.
0: Agreed, and then last. Is
1: uh, oh, I you, you, show you don't it. have you don't have Iowa on your list here?
0: I don't have Iowa. I have Colorado. But maybe, you know,
1: I think, I maybe think we, 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 we got to talk Iowa here, Matt. Well, this is Chuck
0: Grassley. Yeah. Who's a Republican. He's been he's 100 years. Well, he's he's 85 years old. He's, 80, old. 80, he's 89 years old. OK, he's, yeah, he's old. <laughs> uh, and and I have to assume that Chuck Grassley
1: comes back,
0: that, that he wins reelection. But what's what are you hearing?
1: I mean, I I I would say the same. But um, if there is, a, you know, you think Ohio might be a sleeper, and I don't, which I don't disagree. I mean, I, there, there's a possibility for a lot of sleepers here. We we have a lot of close races. We have a lot of pulling. Like the absurd- one
0: I agree, but the one race. So, like, I'll give you an example. If if Oz won in Pennsylvania, even though I picked Fetterman, if Oz won, I wouldn't really be surprised. And I don't, you know, but 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 I think the race that has the chance to surprise people is Ohio. Well. That's my take. You know, Iowa's a but state. But I guess if Chuck Grassley loses, that would be
1: a shock as well, especially in a Republican year, right? Right. Look, Iowa's a state, and this is not that unusual for the. We have a lot of states that are lightly polled. Just simply not many polls at all. Uh, and I just wrote in Real Clear Politics... We have examples, we have several examples of of candidates outperforming polls, outperforming their 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 averages, uh, for various reasons, some sometimes for unknown reasons, and, and often our, our knee jerk is well the polls were wrong. It know, it just might be that there were things happening below the surface late in the game that polls can't easily pick up. Sure. Because they only can sample so long, and there there, there tend to be snapshots of that moment in time, not not necessarily forward forward seeing. Uh, and if you got a race like Iowa, like, there's, only, there's like what two polls out there? If stuff's happening under the surface, you just don't know. You're flying blind. Uh, and so we had the the Des Moines Register and Seltzer poll, which is highly respected. Not, I mean, I I don't think she is an an oracle. She has been wrong, so I'm not saying this means that it's it's a it's going to happen exactly as she pegged it. You know, two weeks ago, <laughs> what she had is a three point race. Which certainly, given Franken, you know, momentum, money, he's on the air, he's got a message. I think he's running a good campaign. Grassley is pretty freaking old, and so that might give people pause. Uh, so uh, it's it's definitely sleeper potential. Uh, but I'm not going to go out there and say Franken's got it in the bag, and so it's another. All right. our so that doesn't for me. change
0: our numbers. And then it's not. Did you do Colorado? What's what do you have for Colorado?
1: Oh, that's Bennett. I don't think.
0: This is Bennett versus O'Day.
1: Yeah, and this is the kind of thing where, like, uh, I mean, O'Day is a perfectly good candidate; is a more reasonable, moderate-ish uh, candidate. Um, uh, but it was always hype. There's never any numbers to suggest that O'Day is making this a race. Uh, so, and, and Bennett's a perfectly solid Colorado middle-of-the-road candidate.
0: All right, let's go to the house. Um, so, so
1: so so our so our final oh, yeah, yeah,
0: sorry. We should yeah, we should recap. We should recap, right, where where we are. So since our,
1: our only difference is Georgia, but it's a big difference because for you it makes it Republican 51, Democrat 49. Yep. For me, it makes it once again 50-50,
0: which means Democrats would Control the senate. Control. so yes there is a, a big difference between us i am predicting republicans will take the senate you are predicting democrats will hold the senate yes i am so Just that's barely. a big even though we only disagree mm-hmm. on one race that's a huge difference i mean that could be a supreme court justice
1: potentially. absolutely and that's all the judicial nominations below that so uh
0: so there you have it uh it's interesting that we only had one one difference. Um, let's see how good, uh, let's see how how good how we are. are,
1: you, how, are you, how did you do your House stuff? Did you do race so by for race? House,
0: all I want you to do, Bill, okay. is write down the number of seats you believe Republicans will pick up okay. on Tuesday okay. night. Okay. And hold it up when you're ready. And I've done the same. I will show you after. I've already written mine down, so I can't change it based on yours. What is okay. your number?
1: I have nineteen. 19. Plus nineteen, which is I think is on the touch below. What like other uh, projectors are saying? I'm pretty close there. Twenty-three. Like Cook. 23. Cook, had a, uh, Cook had a range. Uh, Cook had a range of uh, twelve to twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Fox just came out with. Uh, uh, I think they they had their middle of the road was twenty three. If they had they had a plus or minus thirteen on that, so it's essentially ten to thirty six plus or minus thirteen.
0: Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty handy. Well, um, look,
1: I mean, look, you're really a lot of flying blind is 25,
0: here, Bill. The average for a midterm, I believe, is like twenty five.
1: Well, well, I I, I just I just part. did I just did this. You know, I just wrote a big piece about this for the monthly. Um, About, you know, so, you know, what makes a wave?
0: So, okay, let me just, again, because we're parsing language here. If the average is 25 seats and I'm predicting 23, you could argue that below average is not a wave. It is, according to my, the way that I'm using the term, winning 23 seats Mm. is a wave. So it's not a tsunami, Mm. but I just feel like part of the problem has been. Um, a lack of, just a, a difference over
1: semantics. Well, so let's just lay this out here, though. I, think, okay. I mean, you want to read my article, which does lay it out, but I'll just sum it up for here. Um, there is no set definition. There's no agreed upon definition of what a wave is, it's number, number one. Here's what's been put out there. Uh, there was a political science professor, Alfred uh, took Farber in 2014. He said there was a semi-formal definition of a gain of 20 or more seats in the House is a way, although in his essay he then sought to suggest that was too high a mark because we have fewer and fewer contested House seats, so we perhaps we consider yeah. things less. Well, no, than and that, to that, deal that with. Bill,
0: that actually is a valid point. Um, if you win twenty three seats in today, it's a big deal because Republicans had already sort of gotten some of the low hanging fruit. Oh, you know, and and and. A lot of they're you know, they're gerrymandering and such that some seats are just ungettable. So to win twenty-three this year is is a big deal.
1: Now Amy Walter, Cook Political Report in 2018, had a piece where she suggested if the party out of power picks up significantly more seats than they needed to win control, and winning competitive seats by big margins, not just based not winning one or two points to get there, but by winning, you know, five to ten, arguably. Uh, But having said that, winning with – Republicans need five. So is 10 a wave? Is 15 a wave? You know, you could make that case. Yeah. Now, Stu Rothenberg has always said, and it's something I indicated before, when momentum is built up on one side that washes a short candidate who otherwise wouldn't win, second-tier candidates, long shots. So – if a Walker wins, if a Blake Masters wins, you could argue that's. that's but then a wave. the question is, do they all have to
0: win, right? So, like for mm-hmm. example, if every, you know, if all the Republicans win, but John Fetterman wins, could then would you say, well, what wasn't a wave? It didn't. It didn't lift. A wave lifts even rickety small boats, mm-hmm. and, right. and 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 Doctor Oz wasn't lifted. So, you one. I think one could argue under. A certain definition of a wave that if Fetterman wins, it's not a wave.
1: Right. Uh, now, Dave Wasserman at Cook Political has suggested, from what he's seeing in the current data uh, on the House side, that blue state Democrats are having a tougher time than some red state Democrats. Um, so you might see sort of an uneven wave where, you know, uh, Alan Fung beating Seth Magazine on Rhode Island 2. Uh, or George Logan being Johanna Hayes in Connecticut five might say, well, that's a wave. Uh, but if Sharice Davids is winning in uh, in Kansas. Maybe not, you know, so that's where things can get a little, a little tricky to analyze. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the, uh, there was a paper done by a couple of Pi Cypher Jacob Smith and Rob Oldham. They said a much higher numeric bar. They, they said, let's look at the 20% of elections where the president's party lost the most seats in the last 100 years. So to be in that, high quintile you need to pick up at least 48 seats um so so i put out there my own suggestion which is sort of what you were getting at before let's look at the averages here uh now even that is not totally simple because the average if i look at post world war ii um uh so you because know, you're in the new deal period you had these super duper democratic majorities. So if I take those out of the equation, I, I go after World War II, the average is 26 seats. Uh, but if I look at the last four midterms, the average is 37 seats. We're in a period of very high volatility. So that, so that point that uh, the other prof was making, that you know, 20 is too high a bar because there's so few competitive seats. That's not true. In the last four midterms, yes, we're very polarized. Yes, things are very vicious. Yes, there's gerrymandering. Yet we've had all we've had big swings. We had yeah. 63 seats. So Dems had 30 seat gain in 2006. Republicans 63 seats in 2010, uh, and in 2018, Democrats gained 41. Uh, so if Republicans come in at 23. In this period that we're in, it would be the fourth
0: house flip in five midterms. I think the one the one asterisk to that though, Bill, is correct me if I'm wrong. In 2020, when Donald Trump lost, Republicans actually picked up house seats. Yes. So some of the seats that they might consolidate
1: the two and say it's sort of like a slow motion wave.
0: Yep. Yep. You get the point, Um, Bill. This is I congratulations on a great column. this is something uh, that. Anybody could have written, and you did it. nobody
1: thought to do it, or at least not in a long time. Well, I, 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 it is—it was is a little weird because when you stop and think about it, um, it it's not—it's not, it's not that—it's not that hard to spot <laughs> that we've had these big swings. Um,
0: but I think we're—we we all work- want to accept this sort of vernacular or nomenclature or whatever terms of art. Uh, And we talk about them without defining them and never been, no one's ever really uh, definitively defined it. uh,
1: There were these columns. I mean, I did see what is a wave columns in some of these other years, but I haven't seen anyone do it this year for whatever reason. Uh, And just just to point. so Republicans gained uh, 14 seats in 2020. So if you say, okay, they got 14 here and 23 there, they got to the 37. I mean, it's you know, it's kind of wave-ish, but again, Democrats got forty-one in twenty eighteen. So again, you're still seeing high volatility, even though there's rigidity, even though there's par- partisan tr- uh, tribalness. There's still a middle. I mean, well, the, the, I, one, there are swing voters. Swing voters still exist. Uh, there might be fewer of them, but they certainly matter. Uh, and two, these 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 polarized. Ideologues—they don't always show up. So if they're not always showing up, that 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 leads to instability and volatility, and so that yeah. that seems to be what's going on right now.
0: I want to talk to you before and uh, a bit about uh, the Pelosi attack and about Twitter and Elon Musk. But first, we should probably at least talk about a couple governors' races. Yeah. Uh, I don't have—I didn't do the poster board thing with this, but. Okay. Uh. uh the only governor's race I'm really keeping an eye on is Arizona, and it's the big I'm assuming, one. I'm assuming we agree that Kerry Lake is going to win in Arizona.
1: But- um, this 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 may just be you know internal bias, but uh, I can't. The, the, those words can't escape my mouth. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue Hobbs pulls this out. Oh wow! Look, we've had. I just I just tweeted this uh so This is
0: our second uh, this, this is a really our second disagreement of the day in terms of races. So
1: I tweeted this out uh last night. Hold on. Uh So three very recent polls from credible outlets. I think in fact all three of this, all, all three of this came out yesterday. Fox News has Lake 47 Hobbs 46. New York Times has absolute dead heat both at 48. Univision, which does some oversampling of Latinos, not that it it throws off the weighting, but there's always an argument that pulling Latinos is hard, so you want to get oversampled so you you can do good weighting. Uh, They have it under registered voters, Lake up two, 42-40, with likely voters, dead heat, 44-44. So, I mean, at minimum, this is a nail-biter race. But don't you
0: think a tie goes to the Republican this year?
1: Well, this i mean there's a purely said argument for that. A general Republican trend, give her the edge, stronger on the stump than Hobbes is. Like it's not an illegitimate case by any stretch. Um here's where I think I mean I, I can't say I argue this with confidence, but here's where I think the Hobbes argument comes in. Okay. Uh close race I mean, what 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 is the clash of narratives that we are seeing not just in Arizona but in general uh the republican argument is very much inflation's out of out of hand uh crime is uh out of hand and democrats have their head in the sand uh, on both of those right uh and in Arizona i think immigration you know comes in there strongly as well What's the Democratic counter? Uh, yes, abortion. And there's a whole lot of abortion messaging going on. I do think we're having a, a bit more of a lean in in these last days about democracy, threats to democracy. Uh, and Carrie Lake is somebody who has not sanded down those rough edges. She is someone who is out there saying, you know, hey, I'll accept the results if I win. Uh you know, we even heard, you know, Trump, we hear this, this documentary footage, not that every voter sees this, but we're documentary footage of Trump on the phone with Blake Masters. And he's chiding Masters. Carrie Lake, yes, Carrie Lake, how's your family? She says the, the election of 2020 was stolen. Uh, uh so, and you're seeing Democrats, you know, Obama, I just saw Obama on the stump in Nevada last night. He he was leaning on that pretty hard in Nevada, trying to pin that on Laxalt and on the Secretary of State candidate Marchant. I uh, sixty minutes. Uh, you know, someone said to me the other day. You know, people watch sixty minutes. They vote. You know, these are old voters, and they vote. And you had a standalone segment sixty minutes about Arizona candidates going off. Yeah, it was detail. good.
0: They had the Secretary of State and the uh, Attorney General, I think, on. Um, or who was it? Uh, anyway, they well, had well, Republican, the
1: current, current Republican AG saying this is a grift. Yeah, Uh, uh, Brnovich, right? Right, right. Brnovich. It was uh, was a good segment. So we have all mocked Katie Hobbs for not debating. I don't see a lot of coverage about that in the final week. I feel like that that news cycle is kind of done. And look, she is running a low-key campaign. There's no big Hobbs rallies, though. Obama's coming tonight, so there'll be one tonight. But generally speaking, she's not been a rally... I mean, she did a By housing roundtable yesterday. By That's the way, Hobbs did. Just how how just a reminder
0: of how good. And I know to a lot of people, his shtick is is old, and we've heard it before. But man, that guy he can turn it on. You know, he <laughs> right. could, he could turn it on on the stop.
1: So and, I uh, feel like to the extent there is coverage in Arizona, and, and my vibe is that. Arizona is not saturated with political news coverage, so you do have a problem with people sort of not paying close attention. But that also comes with, do they pay attention now? Are they keying in now? And is the coverage in Arizona going to be, is Carrie Lake too crazy for this job? Can I trust Carrie Lake to protect democracy? Are we just, is it a referendum on that? And if Obama comes in today, presses that point hard, I mean, I saw Obama say last night in Nevada, when I ran against John McCain, John McCain graciously, graciously conceded. I bet he's going to say something similar tonight, maybe even with more emphasis. Yeah. Uh, and appeal to those McCain Republicans who still exist in Arizona. <clears throat> so there may be things this happening the in these that that last days think, think that could tilt it. this in Hobbes' way.
0: I I think you're... I think this is happy talk, Bill. I think this is you wish casting. I, I don't think, I mean, I think it's sad that people don't care that much about democracy, at least mm-hmm. not in 2022. Um, so we shall see. We shall but, see. Well, I
1: mean, I, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm being open that I have a, a certain degree of bias here, but uh, well, what I've laid out, what what do you think of that as potentially wrong? Is it just simply that people don't care? To, to, to That's a fundamental yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, and that's not, a. am not saying that's a bad point. Uh, and there's not a ton of evidence up to this point to suggest that is dominating people's thinking. The question is, I mean, it's like with crime. A lot of the summer, early fall polls, crime was not high up on the list. The Republicans prosecuted the case very vigorously in their ads, and you see it come up, at least, at least in certain areas. Uh, if Democrats lean on that hard in the final days, and you get, I mean, with like with crime, if you have a candidate saying something that you can use as fodder, like Mandela Barnes said enough things in Wisconsin to make those arguments, make those punches land. Karolika said plenty of things. You can make that punch land. If, if that becomes, if that becomes the top issue, you gotta make it the top issue. If it's not the top issue, then then, then, then the argument doesn't, doesn't uh, pan out.
0: I think you have made uh the most compelling case someone could make for your candidate.
1: One other thing. If this if, if was a Democrat and Katie Hobbs was a Republican, and there was this sense that Kerlik should win, and the final polls were dead heat to one point, two point polls. How many stories would we see that said, why can't Carrie Lake put this away? Why can't Carrie Lake close the deal? What's holding her back? I mean, is, Shouldn't there be a question? Why Why isn't she running away with this?
0: Um. Well, I mean, I think Arizona's a purple state. Right now they've got two Democratic senators. Um, But no Democrat governors in a good long while. Yeah. And it's obviously an open seat. So uh, I'm pretty, I would say, Bill, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I don't, this is not one that I'm, I feel pretty confident in this prediction. Um, So we took over some other governors? Well, I have, yeah, I have nothing to say about the others. But if you want to make any quick predictions on other governors, uh, now's your chance.
1: Um, well, I can't feel good about Sisolak staying in in Nevada, um, though, again, perhaps democracy, you know, the, 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 pro-democracy we will do rise up, but as it stands, I will say that's a flip. Uh, New York, I, I know everyone's all hot to see Zeldin beat Hochul, um, but I don't see that happening. I think Democrats are, are kicked into gear in enough time to remind folks that Zeldin is hardly a George Pataki moderate, um. That one is interesting.
0: I lied when I said I didn't have anything to say. All I'll say is that that one is definitely an interesting race. And obviously, because it's New York, it's going to be closely watched.
1: Yeah. And look, like crime has definitely become a bigger thing out there. Um, uh, you're seeing crime, uh, I think, a really big deal in New York and Oregon. You know, Oregon's also there. There's there's a nail-biter governor's race. It's a, That's the three-way race. Democrat Tina Kotec, the Republican Christine Drazen and the independent Betsy Johnson, who is a uh, nominal Democrat, but has been the meanest towards Democrats in, in the race. Um, I think Kotech is going to pull that out. I think Democrats are going to come home a little bit, um, even though there's definitely a lot of anger towards Democrats from Oregon moderates who are sick and tired of crime in Portland, homeless encampments. Uh, Dr- uh, uh, drug overdoses and and, and such, uh, but I think Johnson's number is going to come down. And you can't say all of Johnson's votes go to Kotek. There's some some of those are going to go to Drazen. Uh But I think I mean th- that that's been like a one two point race in Drazen's favor in the current polling with Johnson in the high teens. I think if that number if Johnson comes down, you know, low teens below ten, I think Kotek can, can get enough there. Uh, to eat that out um, and uh, Oklahoma's a sleeper uh, with the Democrat Joy Hoffmeister leading in most polling but again not that many polls um, uh, I don't know if I'm confident she can go all the way I might I might give the edge to sit there uh, but that's going that's that's sort of leading into fundamentals as opposed to you know actual polling data uh, what else is out there that's that's Close because Georgia's not close, Pennsylvania's not close, Texas's not close, Florida's not close. Um, Did you you say Michigan? That's not close. Whitmer's got that. All right, let me propose something,
0: Bill. We're coming up on the 45 minute mark. So I think we have a few options here. We could take this episode, what we just done, put that on Patreon exclusive to our patrons, or we could tape this 45 minute take this 45 minute episode what we've just done stop now we could run this on Monday the day before election day we could now record a new podcast conversation for this week about Nancy Pelosi Paul Pelosi and Twitter um or we could uh try to do all that in the next 10 or 15 minutes and have one big omnibus DMZ episode that we throw out there. Uh, what do you what do you want to do?
1: I'm I'm agnostic.
0: You're agnostic. <laughs> all right. As I that am doesn't in life. help. Um, <laughs> do you think we could have the uh the Pelosi and Twitter conversation in, in 10 or 15 minutes? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's okay. A good one. Well, let's just we'll power through. Uh um, but if you're a pre- if you're listening to this or watching and you're appreciative that we are putting all this content out here. Uh, for free and by the way if you're still listening i'm guessing you are appreciative (laughs) most people probably aren't and they're not listening but uh you you should go to patreon.com slash bill share or patreon.com slash matt lewis uh and wet our beak a little bit um bill let's start uh with with the pelosis um just a crazy story right i mean uh, we heard that that uh this this some guy broke breaks into the Pelosi's home uh, in the middle of the night and 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 bashes Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. Um, obviously, there's Republicans are saying, well, this guy is just mentally unstable. Uh, Democrats are saying, well, but but there's this political environment out there uh, that, that maybe political rhetoric might inspire vulnerable people. Um, and then you've got this conspiracy theory that that says Paul Pelosi, you know, uh, that this was like a gay tryst uh, gone wrong. Um, w- <laughs> it's a lot to digest, but what's your take on this?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, it's insane to see, you know, just a totally baseless conspiracy made up of a complete whole cloth catch on enough in such a short period of time that And to go back to Arizona here, that Carrie Lake doesn't feel any kind of obligation to just do the standard decent thing and condemn the attack and and wish Paul Pelosi a speedy recovery. Uh, you know, she didn't actively uh, push the conspiracy directly, but, you know, she made a crack about Pelosi, uh, about, you know, that they couldn't, you know, protect the House properly, something like that.
0: Um, which I do think- It wasn't I mean, even funny, but apparently but the, everyone but the, thought- Well, to the crowd it was.
1: You know, when a joke is as funny as the crowd thinks it is. Uh, you know, she can't be ignorant about what's swirling on far right sites because she is definitely in that ecosystem. Now, um, let me say, Bill, there, there were-
0: in, you know, Look, I, I don't buy into this conspiracy theory and, and I've written about it, but there were some things that made the conspiracy theory catch on one of them being, um, I'll just tell you like sort of what I heard or saw. So one thing was that um, the dispatch, there's a recording of the dispatch operator telling somebody, maybe the officers, what Paul Pelosi said. And, And the dispatch operator said that Paul Pelosi said this person's name is David and that he's a friend and that he's here waiting for Nancy. And so I don't know what Paul Pelosi actually said. Obviously, he's under duress. I'm guessing it's the middle of the night. Now, maybe he's had a few pops. I don't know. But it's 2.30 in the morning. He's awakened. He's in his underwear, which it seems perfectly normal for that hour. But the thing about calling this person a friend led people to uh, speculate that, that this was somebody he that he knew. Um, people were saying like, why isn't there any video footage? I guess some now has, uh, surfaced, I guess of the home, but, but, but in, in the first 72 hours, at least there wasn't any footage, surveillance footage of, of the home. Um, people were saying that the glass was broken the wrong direction, which would lead people to believe that, that the guy That maybe he came in, he was invited in, and they broke the glass the wrong direction. It falls out, and then also the initial police report, I believe, was that there was a third person there who opened the door. Now we know about the fog of war, and people get things wrong, and sort of in the heat of the moment. But there were weird discrepancies. I think that aided uh, those on the right who wanted to uh, cast aspersions on on this.
1: I, I haven't gone you know i i i i got i got i got too much i don't have enough time in the day to like go debunk every line of what nonsense people put out there <laughs> so just I, I just don't even know of all things that you said oh so, so you much, you had not heard these things i've heard these things i've generally okay. heard these things i mean i heard these things because elon musk pushed this conspiracy out there on his twitter feed uh in response to a tweet from hillary clinton uh yes. I quote tweeted Elon Musk's thing, and I don't want to jump ahead of our Twitter discussion, but uh, I put out, I said, here's Elon Musk, like literally spreading misinformation. And I got like 2000 replies of Elon Musk fanboys yelling at me that how dare I, uh, uh, you know, cast aspersions on what what he's doing. Uh, And what about this? What about this? What about this? And. like, our reaction was, uh, you're all insane. I'm going to experiment my something blocking you all so you don't go, go in my feed. Uh, uh, and I, but I just don't know to what extent they found, like, a little thread to pull in the actual police report or what is just literally made up out of whole cloth. I don't know which of the things you laid out. I don't know what is what. And I don't care because we have a police report. We have bona fide police officers who have investigated this. Uh, we now have security footage uh, that, that that probably was unmonitored uh, by the Secret Service.
0: Um, and the guy so, said the the attacker, the alleged attacker, uh, in when, in the police report um, said that he was there. And, and by the way, the guy had like zip ties and stuff. And he said yeah. he was there. He also,
1: he also has an entire website where he's spouting QAnon stuff top to bottom. We have interview with with, uh, with a guy who was his boss who said he knows him better than anybody else that said he went down this rabbit hole deep. He was he was an otherwise nice guy. But recently he bought into all this stuff, soup to nuts. And I have
0: no doubt they're saying that he used to be a left winger. I have no doubt. It doesn't surprise
1: me. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me. Carrie Lake donated to Obama. We <laughs> Donald <laughs> Trump used to be pro-choice. Who cares? This is what he was doing right now. Um, so uh, uh so it, even if like it's one thing for like some rando on our bar stool to say, hey this guy Paul said friend in the 911 transcript. Did you believe that? Like people say stuff on their barstool all the time. We now have a situation where, because of not just the existence of social media, but one of the people who owns a huge chunk of social media gives this immediate oxygen based on nothing credible, uh, to the point where Republican candidates and look, look, uh, most of the Republican senators and congressmen I saw did the proper statements. So I'm not trying to paint broad brushes here but certain people in hotly contested races uh, or in case like, like Glenn Youngkin, I mean, he he tried to walk it back, but like his gut reaction was to make a joke about it. Um, Now that he was buying a whole conspiracy, but he's he's, he's playing to a crowd that is more interested in being mean to Pelosi. than in casting something of someone who literally got his face bashed by a hammer. Um, So like, it should make us all pause. And and, may, may, and maybe you'll have an impact in Arizona. I don't know, um, but just what's one more one more uh, data point away? Uh, but we should be trying to draw some clear lines here, so we don't completely go off the deep end as a country.
0: Yes, I mean I wrote a piece at the Daily Beast this week about sort of just this post truth world that we're in. I mean there are two narratives, and I'm telling you, Bill, that a lot of people, a lot of Just regular Republicans out there believe the Elon Musk, Don Jr. version of Paul Pelosi. And, you know, he, by the way, the guy got it. The the other thing that lends a kernel of verisimilitude to this is the fact that that a month ago Paul Pelosi got, or two months ago, he got a DUI. Part of the story is that he was drunk at a gay bar or something. We we, we know how
1: conspiracy theories work. You take, really yeah. tangential data points and throw them into a cauldron with a bunch of your own nonsense and call it a new a new narrative. I mean we I mean, Art Bell did nutto stuff on the radio a long time ago, but he wasn't driving an entire entire party. Um well, a lot
0: I mean Bill, a, I'm just saying, you know, um I, I talked to a, a good friend of mine yesterday uh for years who you know believes this theory. And and by the way, this, this person actually lives in Arizona. Um, so, uh, and it's not, it's not the person, it's not our mutual friend.
1: I should clarify. Um,
0: so I, I, this is a fairly, become a fairly mainstream thing, which is of course what happens when the richest person, what in the world, I'm not sure. Um, you know, a billionaire who has millions of followers and owns Twitter, tweets the story, it's probably going to happen. Um which leads us to Twitter, Bill. Yes. Elon Musk now owns Twitter. Um I have a I have a friend who who just gave up his uh blue check mark um yesterday.
1: Have they taken him off already?
0: I, I think he just voluntarily surrendered it. How do you, 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 you voluntarily sure of it? I'm not sure how you do that, but he hmm. did it. Um but but now there's talk there's talk about um about charging money to have a blue check mark. Right. Um I, I, I would say I've lost at least 500 followers in the past week really? since Elon Musk officially bought Twitter. I'm assuming this is people who have quit in protest. Now, there have been other occasions where I've lost followers because Twitter's done a cleanup where they've gotten rid of like Russian bots or something. But this time, I'm assuming the, Twitter, or the hundreds of Twitter followers I've lost uh, in the past week are people who are residing in protest, quit not residing, but just quitting the platform in protest. Uh, what's your take on all this? i don't
1: I don't think I've lost any. Um, uh, i'm I'm very concerned about it. Uh, and and I said I said so on Twitter um, that this, he's really testing me here. and and it, but even for me, I, I don't want to act like i'm 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 being a great moralist here. This is mostly about self-interest. Uh, I'm worried he's ruining the platform. And then he will drive people away to become a less useful platform. I mean, if I, if I tweet something out about this and then my feet gets cluttered by a bunch of conspiracy nut jobs, it's not as useful a platform for me anymore. Um, I, don't, I don't want 2,000 uh, people pushing populist conspiracy every time I, I tweet something. Uh, I can't uh, have engagement with the people who I actually want to talk to, if that's the case. And I, I, I can only block what do you so many
0: think? people. He wants to make money I don't blame him. It's a business, and he spent a lot of money on this, too much money on this. It'd be nice if he's focused on like rockets and electric (laughs) cars, but hey, you know, he can spend his time the way he wants, but he needs to make money. I think rather than charging people for a blue check mark, because a blue check mark really is to confirm that you are who you say you are. That that's the true purpose. It's not to establish a hierarchy. Well, I mean already. there are
1: fraudulent accounts. Like it, yeah. this wasn't meant to be a a status symbol. Yeah.
0: Um, and of course it is, but but the the primary purpose of it is is to confirm authenticity that you are who you say you are. Rather than charging people for a blue check, I think he should charge everyone to be on the platform. Don't you think it would actually if if you had to pay $5 a month to just be on Twitter, regardless of whether you were, you know, a check mark or not, that, that it would be a healthier, better, uh, platform.
1: It would be a much smaller platform. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. with that. Uh, and would not have nearly the kind of reach that it does right now. Um, uh, I mean, it would just be, it would it'd be utterly transformational in a, uh, Uh, Not in an exciting, brave new world sort of way, like it would become a a tiny niche site. Um, Okay, but but let me let me just let me just make my
0: argument. Maybe maybe it's two dollars. Maybe it's not five. You know, there's a price point. It could be fifty cents. He would lose this majority of of his people. There's a reason why. You know, I used to work at the Leadership Institute, Um, and and they they do these training seminars, and they charge every. You know, they could afford to let you come for free. They'll charge like. $10, because if you pay to go to a conference, you're going to pay attention. You're invested. I think the same way with voting. I don't want voting to be so easy that I can just do it on my phone. I I think there ought to be some sort of, not something that's onerous, but some some barrier of time or whatever. And don't you think that we would have a better quality environment on Twitter if there was uh, some cost attached to maybe it's per tweet maybe every time you tweet it costs something
1: you would not make money running a social media company <laughs> i don't know but bill what is this like wouldn't paying something raise the quality i mean i mean there there were attempts to make kind of high quality social media sites uh uh and they haven't uh Panned out well. But Twitter
0: uh, has the benefit of having become the site. It has. um It's not a startup, right? I mean this this is this is where it's at.
1: Well, let let me let me shift gears. I think going right. down this hypothetical, I think, is getting us away from the the main issue. At least, I think for you and me is do do we stay on the site?
0: And would it's, you it's, it's pay? Will
1: will you pay to stay? What's the word I'm looking for? Blue checked. Well, no, but there's another term. But yeah, will you will you pay for that? No, I will not. I'm not gonna. I, I, one, I don't want to give Musk any money. Two, I'm not sure what I would even get out of paying it. I mean, the blue check doesn't do all that much for me. Um, like mm-hmm. one thing, you, you, you may not know what it does for you. Well, I'll, I'll say this: when I got it, um, uh, I definitely got more engagement from others. Uh, there, there's there's something that they did where I mean I. I my tweets might have gotten some preferential treatment. Uh, and so and I think other verified people started following me more readily after that. So I mean, yeah I'm not saying they got nothing out of it. Um, but I' I'm not, I'm not gonna lose followers by losing it. Uh, and uh, I don't necessarily have a whole lot of most of the value of uh, what I'm doing is just getting my work in front of people that want to read it just so they, they know it, it exists. Uh, and having some you know deeper engagement with with readers about it, uh, so I don't think I would
0: lose that. Don't you think it's check. possible that you know how people talk about shadow banning happening? Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's possible the opposite could happen that that Musk could like people who are paying him for the blue check will also get goosed, you know that they're well, more. I think he likely said they be- would get
1: preferential ch- placement in in reply threads, for example. Um, so, uh but I I, I don't really care about that enough. That's that's not worth any money to me. Okay. Uh,
0: I will say um <clears throat> as much as I admire people taking a stand and all that, I am not going to be quick to give it up or to get off Twitter or to give up the blue check. Um Twitter was incredibly important in my career. Um and it much more it, it's not as important today as it was, but it was uh, it was a very important development. And the fact that I was some, something of an early adopter of it, um, it Twitter really gave me a benefit and a competitive advantage for a while in my career until other people kind of caught up to it and got on, got on the platform and learned how to use it. Um, and I really think that it's very important for what I do as a business. I, I'll put, you know, if I do it, I, this will be a business expense. My LLC will mm. we'll pay for sure. this and it'll be a sure. write-off. And, you know, Elon was a- originally talking about $20. Now he's talking about eight, eight a month. That's not going to break the bank for me with my business. Um, And I use the word business very loosely, but mm-hmm. uh, with my LLC, um, I think I would experiment for a while. I think I would stay on, keep the blue check and see... What happens? Um, I don't know if I would have to sign up for a year, or if I could just do it on a month-by-month basis. But I think I would want to feel out and and see uh, if you know, be- sort of, look before I leap,
1: so to speak. Well, sure. And look, I, I I think I'm more reliant on Twitter than you are at this point. Uh, if I mean, for me to leave Twitter would be a very big deal for me. That uh, that is the main way that I follow the news. Because I keep a list of 2,000 journalists and like several hundred, you know, political data types. And like that's how I keep tabs on things. Um, I don't know what I would do to to track the news in this current media environment without that. Uh, And it's my main way of uh, advertising the work that I do. Uh, I don't know if people would easily find my articles if they weren't following me on Twitter and being alerted when I write something. and it's how I also engage with people and kind of build relationships with people who who, who like my work. So uh, it'd be very very hard professionally to walk away. Uh, but having said that, if he wrecks the place, if he if he ruins it first, well, yeah, that, but, that goes without saying. But but but, but here's my dilemma: uh, if I wait too long to make the decision to jump and people leave first and you know get dispersed into the winds i can i can then leave and try to set up shop somewhere else and build something it takes years to build a platform yeah. somewhere else and if i have to start from a total scratch like what are you going go to go to build parlor or truth social i <laughs> mean i mean there's like there's like progressive alters that are cropping up but who knows if they're going to have any legs or not uh, I, I don't even think if i was to jump i'd even like think about uh, an analogous social media site I think about okay should I start a sub stack should yeah, I that would be my YouTube channel should I get an, e- get an email list going again um, so it would it would never it would right now I have 27,000 followers I would never get back to that number probably ever again uh, but can I at least find you know a few thousand who really really like what I do and, and and be able to maintain some connection with them if I wait too long can I not even pull off that? Uh, yeah.
0: so, so you're saying that what you could do is now start, and you could do this anyway. You could do this even if you didn't get off of Twitter, you could start tweeting, join my sub stack now, who knows how long I'll be here. If I
1: had all the free time in the world, sure. I mean, my, my, my professional challenges is, this. you know, I, I have a household to, to run. I have kids to raise. I got a dog. I have an elderly mother. Uh, you know, I don't have all the time in the world. If yeah. I was 25 years old, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be doing so much worse stuff if I had more free time in the day. Um, so you know, on your- one hand, if if I if I cut the Twitter cord, there'd be something exciting about it that I would, it would kind of force me to do these entrepreneurial things, which might actually, which all things equal probably might be beneficial, but it would take a lot of time and time that I feel that I don't readily have. Yeah. So I feel very squeezed but, by it, I And mean, I'm angry about it. I'm angry that Elon Musk is treating this like a personal play thing. Like he... Owns the company. You are the moderator of a global meeting. If you were, if you chair a committee, you don't just pop off wherever the hell you want. He sees you this as meeting. a game.
0: I mean, I think he's basically a nihilist or a hedonist. And he just wants to have fun and troll. And he doesn't think much about consequences. It's really amazing. I mean, I guess we've always had people like this, but they didn't have Twitter. You know? um and so if you were like a weird brilliant eccentric businessman uh you know unless you bought a tv commercial you know we, we didn't really know about it uh, as much but i have to say bill twitter i mean this probably goes without saying but twitter already is not nearly as fun as it used to be i mean I, you know i guess now i've been on twitter i've been on twitter since i think 2008 so like a substantial percentage of my life at this point it, it's crazy to say, um, you know, that I've been on Twitter that long and it, it was really fun when it started. And now I've already given up for the most part. Um, I mean, I use it to, to read the feed, to gather information and Intel, and I use it to promote my podcast, my, my podcast and my, um, um, you know, writing my columns, but I don't really interact with people on it anymore. And in fact, quite often I'll be about to make a joke or a movie reference and I just delete it and stop myself because it's not worth it. Like the chance that like a flippant, fun reference or joke is going to be get me embroiled in a days long dragging or explaining to someone who doesn't get the reference. Like it's just not worth it. And so that's sad. It used to be you used to be able to do that and talk to people and meet people on Twitter. And it was a much more fun place, but it hasn't been
1: fun for a long time. Well, I just found that they I, I don't I've never been like a huge person into blocking, but I found like there are a couple of people like, you know what, you're really just making this an unpleasant experience for me. Uh, I I can, I'm happy to engage with people with different viewpoints that's, that that I actually enjoy and is useful, um, professionally. Um, but if you're just going to just drag me every single time I say anything, like I don't, I, life's too short. Yeah. Uh, so once people cross a certain line with me, I, I block and it, it makes Twitter a better experience for me. And I think, and I think for people who want to engage with me, um, What's frustrating to me about what happened over the weekend was if if I'm getting flooded by like three thousand people being rude, <laughs> uh, you, you, you spend all day blocking people and it becomes it yeah. becomes too much of a chore.
0: It's it's like whack a mole too. I mean, it, it, you're never gonna get them all. Um, you know, Tucker Carlson told me years ago when I worked for him. He said, you know, w- would you give your keys? To, you know, if you if your kids are in the car, would you give the keys to a drunk driver? And I'm like, no. And he says, well. That's you're doing that to your emotions when you listen to, you know, commenters or trolls on Twitter. Like when you listen to them, you're basically handing your emotions over. It's like giving the keys to a drunk driver. Maybe not a perfect analogy, but I think he's right. Like, why should I allow crazy, weird, angry people on Twitter to impact if I feel good to that, you know? Or if I'm bummed out. Well, but you know what? If you're reading the comments and people are like attacking you constantly, it's gonna get you down. It's gonna drag you down, unless you've got an incredible, you know, incredibly thick skin. So Living Zen anyway. by Tucker Carlson. Wisdom, yeah, a lot of wisdom there. Um, Bill, I think we may be approaching our record uh marathon DMZ. I don't know. We've gone over an hour. I don't know if we've gone this far over an hour, at least not in a while. So we should we're probably, should, probably, probably should
1: call it a day. Not that I, oh, I, I could talk true. I could
0: talk to you all day, Matt. I could. People got their money's worth. Um and and you know, maybe instead of paying for Twitter, you should be paying for the content you really like at patreon.com. So could, anyway. Could,
1: could you could could you have Patreon be your site? Could you make does a does the platform work well enough that you could just yeah. post it? it
0: there? Would, yeah, it would be what you would do is um it would be very The problem is it wouldn't be, you can't grow the Patreon community very well, Mm -hmm. but you can service your community. Mm -hmm. If you had, let's say you got 2000 people who loved bill share and were willing to pay $10 a month for bill share, that could be your full-time job and you could like do nothing but create video and audio and write things and communicate with them and interact with them. And it could be a great, awesome place. Now you're not really going to grow unless they tell a friend you're not going to grow that platform, but in terms of being a place where you could provide content and interaction, kind of a you definitely could do it on Patreon.
1: Mm. Food for thought, I Food know some people thought. on Twitter have yeah. said to me, "No, don't go. You know I, said, I don't I still don't want to make a hasty decision about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried people are going to leave first. That, that, that's, my, that's my big concern.
0: All right, everybody. Uh, to be continued. Follow us on Twitter at DMZ Show. Support us at patreon.com slash Bill Share or Patreon.com slash Matt Lewis. Um, and check out the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Matt Lewis. You could see this video and our uh, Bill Bill's dry erase board. So <laughs> good stuff. All right. Well, talk talk soon after the election. All right. Thanks, Bill. See you all back here after the election in the DMZ. Have a good one. Bye-bye.